0: Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford.
1: Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is the man with the best haircut in the south, southern end of Australia here, Paul McKinnon, the Balance Runner. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. thanks. I knew it was going to come at some stage. It's going to be so earlier. May as well start off that way. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, Paul's got what we call here in Australia a mullet, which is uh, it's almost it's the national haircut. I think at the moment, 2022.
0: I like to call mine a little bit more of a mane because you know it's the same length the whole way through
1: that middle. It's not short at the front. There's no there's no business at the front. There's a party (laughs) up through. So it's it's a bit more of a mane. Yeah, it's, it it's, it's a very trendy, uh, trendy man. It, it it does look good. Well, um, Paul, you. So I, I first heard of uh, you through a friend, a mutual friend Simon Hearn, and then I also uh, heard that you're on the, uh, Triathlon Taran podcast, probably three years ago now, and yeah. got a, you got a huge response from that from that podcast, uh, because I think, I mean, from from what I can see. You coach in a way that I that I really like, and and how I like to coach people, where you explain things very very well, very simply, and you can relate to um, what people are doing, how they should feel, and and you you break things down in a way where it's it, it's just like well okay, well that makes so much sense, and I think that's why um, you've got the the reputation that you you do now, and you I mean you've just come back from the states, you've done a lot of work with Nike and and the Nike athletes recently, so what was what was that all about?
0: Um, well, firstly, thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks for yeah, the, the accommodation. Uh, it was really eye-opening in a few different ways. Like it was awesome to work with them and, and like, and they've got such a, um, a wealth of talent over there and even sort of like the, the sub elites are amazing athletes so, of, of similar to kind of like our leads. Like it's, it's, it's incredible how many they have. I think the, the working with, so the, in particular, someone like Galen Rupp or Emily Infeld who are, know seasoned pros over there to to get over there work with them um and understand that they haven't had that opportunity to have that improvement in in a technique side of things was was really a bit eye-opening given that is kind of the mecca of distance running and and, um or middle distance and distance running so to get that kind of confidence build to get the reception and the feedback from them um in in a positive such a positive manner was really really cool and then start to see how it can kind of um, influence and, and be a part of a broader improvement of of running as a as a you know worldwide sort of thing, um, which is really really cool because they do have the avenues to able to do that and to to get that out to a broader um, to a broader audience.
1: One of the things that we spoke about in the last couple of weeks, as we've been leading up to this, is with so with Nike with their their latest shoes, they found that they, you get more improvement. With better technique from their latest shoes and and that's a a part of why you've been i think doing some work with their their athletes there so do you want to talk a bit about about that and, and why that is
0: yeah so like the, the original contact i had over there was a guy um, by the name of chris cook who was a guy that i stayed with and, and you know spent a lot of time with over there now he's um a part of the design and development of you know, the nike vapor the nike alpha Fly. so he's if he hasn't been the actual designer he's overseen it all Um, So that was kind of the the introduction to him. And he was really interested in how I did what I did and why it was sort of getting those really good results because he was seeing it from a shoe design and a shoe development side of things. Um, He's got a really inquisitive mind and his biomechanical kind of background, but it was that side of things. Then subsequently, so over the last 18 months, they started to see a real pattern of um, athletes who moved in a particular manner or actually... You know for, for one, for a better term or not, is, is like with good mechanics. Um, and they were getting more efficiency, economy, improvement out of the shoe than those that didn't. So they did have improvements irrespective of the movement pattern that they, um, well, they, they, they showed improvements irrespective of the movement patterns that um they were presenting. However, the ones that moved really well were getting more out of it. So for him, he's starting to click and go, okay. So I met, met Paul, I can see the retraining, which is essentially what I do is like the gait retraining rather than just like the biomechanical analysis. Um, historically, that's been a bit of a missing link and it's highlighted now that the good mover is getting more out of the shoe. And I've got this guy who's, you know, really delving into the retraining side of things. So how can we kind of put it together? And that was kind of the, the real, um, the reason to go over there because he was, he was just as inquisitive going, okay, how's it going to be received? You know, what can Paul do with um, a multiple different levels of athletes? So I was working with you know, like one of the, the best distance runners US have had through to some high school athletes over there and everything in between just to see what would happen in the reception. And he sat into all the, the sessions and for him, it was like, okay, it was a bit eye-opening to say, we can get these improvements at all these different ranges so that we can actually make the most of the shoes that he's developing. And that was kind of then, okay, how do we then put it into the design of the shoe how do we put it into like the retraining or the training packages for each of these athletes from all these different levels so that was the main reason for it and
1: then it's kind of grown a little bit from there and one of the things the one of the ways that you love to teach is to use cues and i mean for me the way i see a cue is it's almost like all these different movements all these things that go into a, a certain movement if you're thinking of every single step you know for swimming it's like okay enter your hand in front of your head, then reach forward and rotate your body and then tip your fingertips. It's too much for people to remember. Yeah. So a cue yeah. just brings it all together in this nice little package that you can just think of. And it's much easier to actually do the movement because you, you're not overthinking things. Uh, so for you, like when did cues become a way that you like to, to teach things and how did you come up with the cues that you use? Um I think that
0: there's probably a couple of parts to it. So I think with running, it's always been about like foot up, whereas I'm very much top down. So everything that kind of influences the foot strike, the foot movement, the time on ground, and the mechanics of the leg are influenced by, you know, the arm pattern, the body position. And I think that's become one of the really key parts of the differences that, that what I do being, you know, it's completely flipped. And the way I see it is, What should be most still, or what is the foundation of the movement in this case being running? So what should be most still? And it is the torso. So trying to make that the best, almost like the the first port of call, and then kind of working off that uh, rather than trying to aim at the foot, which is what is moving most and trying to change that.
1: Mm. It's kind of really
0: flipping on its head of like and and I sort of think about it in 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 like you know, strengthening conditioning terms, you think so you know, a squat or a deadlift, you're thinking, okay, what is most still? It's the feet. So make sure that they're in the right position for the person. And then you can kind of build up from that. If the feet are in the wrong position or in a golf swing, the feet are in the wrong position, you're stuffed. So kind of work up and then out to what's moving most, you know, and go from there. So if we're running, it's actually flipped. So, you know, for me, it's like torso and then work down from there. Um, So that part's a real different part. I think when I started to realize that was when I was running myself, I was trying to actually influence my feet and I started by arms. It was almost like for me, it was intuitive to go, okay, well, if they sound offbeat or if they don't sound even, then how about I just kind of swing my arms in a manner that are even and see how that influences the feet and straight away it started to change. Hmm. And I think that for me started to go, okay, well, what's the influencer? And if that's the cue that I want to work on, or if that's something that's going to influence always thinking about what is going to influence most and then work from there and that's why i started to use q so much more in a running sense but it's also sort of infiltrated in just other things like what q is going to use to kind of create a better movement pattern in a golf swing or this or this and i'm no you know golf pro but it just started to make me think about how, how they work and they just work so much better because it's an influencer rather than a result-based outcome focused mm, yeah and that, yeah, that's 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 really helped. And and being able to, as you said, focus on one thing at a time and give it time to become habit because it's such a repetitive movement, both you know, running and, and swimming. It's just repeated movements, open cycle, open up, keep going. Just give it time to become habit so that you don't have to think about it again.
1: And then we can work on the next piece and the next piece and the next piece. Uh, it's really interesting these said people would often think about the feet first trying to change that And you went top down i heard this is a couple years ago i heard uh, a coach say that a swim coach talk about he he says he looks look at the feet and then and you can determine like look at that first and that's determining what happens at the front of the body but for me it's always been the other way it's always been been top down and i i don't know why it's been that way but Similar thing, I find like often the legs and the feet and the kick is more influenced by what's happening out in front because the legs will typically be a counterbalance to what is happening out in front of the head. So I've I've seen it really s- the same way in swimming. So yeah, to me that's interesting because it just it never really worked for me just looking at the the feet first because um, for me it's always it's more been what's the head doing? What what are you doing through your shoulders and your your body? Because if your shoulders are going to ninety degrees, which is too much rotation. It's so like, well, of course the feet are going to kick out wide to stop you from continue to going, continue going too far on your side. So um, yeah, I, I think that's that's quite an interesting one. Just uh, listening to you talk about that there.
0: Well, it's almost like what we're talking about just before we got on the call as well, about the body position. If you don't have, you know, like and then coming down that that chain as you talked about, you know, like kind of top down. If you don't have your body shape and the neutral spinal position, the the that you're kind of talking about to then allow the roll. And I mean, your hips are down low and your feet are down lower anyway. So Mm, you can try and get, in my head, like without, again, knowing much about the swimming side of it, if you're trying to get the feet higher, but you've got like a real, you know, extended thoracic spine and therefore kind of increased lumbar flexion or it's kind of pulling it down, you can't have your feet up. So it's impossible to get the feet position where you want to be if you haven't got the first, you know, the, the torso in the right position and, you know, everything kind of sinking off
1: that. For you, uh, what are like across the board? You know, what are maybe one or two of those really common mistakes you'll see with with the average triathlete or average average runner? Um,
0: I guess the two. If we start with the top down and thinking about it, so forgetting about like a foot strike or anything like that, because that's all influenced by what, what, what you're doing. I think the two things is not understanding what arms are for and can do for you. Um, would be one of the really important things. It's like they're not, they're not just superfluous to the body when running. They're actually a really important part to the running mechanic. However, they do not give you force. Like no part of the arm or the top half of the torso is touching the ground. So no amount of force that you're trying to put through or tension that you're trying to put through your body is actually implemented to propulsion. So can't actually work harder up top and get anything down bottom. In fact, it actually restricts the amount of movement that you can get from the legs. It's, a, it's about trying to be as free and flowy and, and move as much movement as possible to allow the legs to move. So I think it's without understanding what the arms can do for you. So I think the, the, the way that I explain it to people is like they're for your arms are for tempo, for balance and to create lift. So if you don't actually swing your arms up at any point, if it's a flat movement, if it's a blocked movement, if it's a short movement, and you're not creating a vertical force up, you are not creating any lift. So we're not creating any flat or float or bounce. If you're not creating any up force, it's almost like trying to jump without throwing your arms up in the air, just like having your hands in your pockets and trying to jump up. Like all you're doing is just pushing yourself off the ground without any additional arm swing. If they are not even, you know, even if they were really poor movements. But at least if they were even, um, that at least it's sending the same message left and right down the body. So often you just see two different movement patterns because it's left or right dominant. Um, just a, just a, a lack of awareness of what the arms are actually doing. So at least they've got to be even to create some semblance of balance. And yeah, that tempo, that timing of movement, sometimes it's offbeat. The
1: rhythm is off left and right. Um, is that pretty common? Of- is it like the people it- are uneven with their... Really common. yeah right. really common yeah um
0: and it's amazing it's, it's not amazing but it is amazing to a lot of people when they realize
1: geez that is actually a lot different right and left <laughs> and do you, do you use video to show that or just visually your so visually, yeah, usually <laughs> i'll pick it up in
0: a like in a in the first five meters but then the, the key or the, the really important part is actually me getting to getting the athlete to feel the difference rather than just tell them or show them Because you could show someone, they go, oh, geez, that's different. But I don't feel that. Mm. So asking the right questions throughout the session to actually get them their own self-awareness of difference rather than me tell them and say, okay, feel right. That's what it's doing. Feel left. That's what it's doing. It's like giving them reference points and kind of asking questions to get them to answer it rather than lead them as well. Yeah. That becomes part of it. Or the trick of it is, like, knowing that it's happening but not giving away and asking them the right questions for them to feel and give you the answer without you telling them it. And that mm-hmm. becomes the hard part as well because you're like, I can see it. <laughs> um, and I can't believe you can't feel it, but still going through that process of, you know, just think of the, the funny bone in relation to the ribs. What's the right doing? And then think about the left on the return. What's it doing? Is it more? Is it less? Is it
1: different? Is it the same? And trying to really tease that out until they get to feel the difference. But yeah, yeah. super common. Well, and then they take they take ownership of the um, well of, of that thing that they're doing because they're like oh okay i recognize this rather than you know i get we'll get uh, sometimes people get told like you're you're dropping your elbow or you are crossing over it's just like and especially with some junior kids it's like they'll get told they're doing the wrong thing they know they're doing the wrong thing but they just don't like if you just told that it's like well great how do i fix it or you never really quite take that on board to actually do anything to change it so uh, that that art of coaching, especially by asking the right questions and getting the person to uncover it themselves is, um, is great. And one of the things we do when we're in clinics is uh, we'll get, we'll play through the video of someone's stroke and I'll ask them uh, after we play through it, is there anything that you notice there that you might be doing, doing wrong in the stroke or you could do, could do better? And most of the time, especially as we go through two or three or four people when they've had a chance to actually see what you know some of those things are they they recognize it straight away and after the sixth person I'm just thinking oh you don't even need me here you can pick this stuff out yourself which is great because because they then they know what they're looking for
0: yeah yeah and you can see that in running as well like I can you and I could be standing watching I think we talked about on the weekend standing watching two people run at the same pace and whether you have a really good knowledge of running or not if they're at the same pace, but one person moves really well, one moves really poorly, like it's really natural for us to pick out which one is actually moving really well. The next piece is someone might know why that is, like why is that person moving better than the other person? Someone would go, I don't know. I know that one's better. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And the next piece is, okay, what are the movements and the position they're creating to notice that? And then getting the person to feel it. And then the fourth part is like, okay, what, what would you change? or exactly. a to change it you know and then that becomes back into your place so the person that sixth person can go oh this this isn't this, this and then you go what do you start with or what do, how do i change it you know okay now it comes back into your <laughs> your area of expertise to go okay well we we'll start with this then with this then with this
1: yeah there's a there's a lot of uh that's right there's a there's a lot of steps along the way one of the things i've found really um helpful with like, I've obviously put out a lot of YouTube content. We do the podcast and stuff is most people who come along, they've got an understanding of what they should be doing just from seeing the videos and they visually, they know what they should do. And then uh, either like doing a video analysis or some clinics Then they like, then it's kind of that, that last step of, right. What am I, what am I doing? And then what, um, how do I actually change my stroke in those, those certain ways. So there's a lot of steps that, um, that go into it. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Form Goggles. Form combines the world's smartest goggles, real-time metrics, and guided workouts to make swimming fun. It's the game-changing membership that's redefining swimming. Form Smart Swim Goggles feature a transparent display that shows your time, distance, and pace as you swim. And with the monthly or annual memberships, you get a huge library of guided workouts that give you workout instructions and tips as you swim for an incredible workout. The form goggles are very much like what a Garmin does, but it's right in your goggles. So that display of time, pace and distance is something that I really love. So for the majority of the workouts that I do, I'll wear my form goggles because that way I can hit the exact speed and pace that I want to hit. So every time I do a turn, it'll tell me what my speed was for that turn and it'll tell me my cumulative time. So if we have ever got any sets that we need to hit a certain pace or we need to progressively get quicker, then I know exactly whether I'm on track or falling behind. So that's one of the main reasons that I love the form goggles and use them nearly every swim that I do. I have a lot of clients as well that use these in the open water to tell them what their pace is because it can be a really hard thing to gauge when you go open water, but the form swim goggles will tell you what your pace is when you're swimming open water, which is a really beneficial thing to do, especially if you find it difficult to not go out too fast or to sustain the same speed across a 1K or 2K swim. The other thing I really like about the Form Goggles is that the Form Swim app, it breaks down everything about your session. So for a lot of sessions, I'll look back and see what was my stroke rate, what was my stroke count for certain parts of the main set. And with that feedback, you can see your progression over time. So as you get fitter, as your technique improves, you can see those things getting better. So I really like to have a detailed analysis of each swim that I'm doing especially as we can see those improvements and when you purchase your form swim goggles you can save 15 us dollars off the purchase price by using our coupon code effortless on checkout or go to formswim.com forward slash effortless that's formswim.com forward slash effortless all right back to the podcast
0: the critical part of what i do in in my coaching which is like a real i mean it's keystone of what i'm um Trying to teach, and even onto the, the uh, online membership stuff, is like the self awareness portion. Yeah, in that understanding of current, because the the skill acquisition um, model that I use is this this um, new way, old way, or old way, new way. Yeah, so right. So you, you get that contrast, and and the old way and new way. The first that, that that old way or current way is yeah, breaking down the movement pattern. So the first session, we spend about half an hour actually just getting a feel of that current. So they understand what old way feels like so they've really got this proprioception or or kinesthetic awareness of what it feels like so then when we make a change, they have their own internal contrast. So that piece of you know as you're saying you know feel this you're doing this oh sorry you're doing this and now I want you to do that. If they go off by themselves, if they don't have their own internal awareness, you know, coaching tool to say, okay, this is what this feels like when I'm doing it, or this is what it feels like when I'm not, and when I'm not, it's A, B, C, and D is happening. And when I am, A, B, C, and D is happening, then they can actually create that awareness of, okay, when I'm doing it, this is what it feels like when I'm not. So I want to do it. And I want to do it. And I want to create that repetition. Because most times I even remember like playing hockey when I was growing up and being taught a specific skill. And I was pretty disciplined that I'd go off and do my own training like, and, and you know, I'd be by myself and I'd be you know, flicking corners or whatever it is and thinking I'm doing it because you know, like this is the, the position or this is the movement that I've been coached, but then coming back and not quite getting it or, or not getting it at all. It's like, what have you been doing? I've been trying to no, know you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing. You go, okay, well, how about you teach me what I'm not supposed to be doing? So it's almost unlearning the the old version and knowing what that feels like so that i can yeah. create the repetition so that i can create the habit and that becomes a real cornerstone of what i do and then the cues on top of it being a really the
1: secondary um important part it's uh yeah that we do quite a few contrast drills and uh one of the things we've we've done in the um with this five day catch challenge that it had a lot of people go through is is that you do the wrong thing first and the wrong thing might be what you are currently doing and for example, when someone enters and they reach forwards, some people will drift up and their fingers are pointing up and it slows them down. And so we'll get them the kick in that position, feel how slow it is. What's it like when, you, when you're doing that? And then when you change it and you get to the right position, how does that feel? And, and that builds up that awareness where that if they do uh, if they do start swimming again and they can feel, oh, I've got all this turbulence or this resistance on my hand out in front, I'm probably in the wrong position. So then they know, know how to change it. So it's, it is, it's that, that awareness, especially most athletes are self-coached that, you know, that, that you and I probably, probably work with. And even ones in squad. I mean, i I know a lot of elite level swimmers who they won't get much technique feedback at all within a session. Cause the, the coach has got 30 swimmers in there. So essentially technique wise, they're probably self-coached still. So they need to have that awareness still.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's running to a T, you know, because they don't do technique. So it's literally, yes, yeah, you yeah. grew um run, run more, run faster, and that's how you get faster. Like that's literally so if if someone yeah. wants to technique, it's it's what they've picked up as a kid, it's how they've done it, it's how they've always done it, or it's you know, oh shit, I keep getting injured, so I'll try and do this myself, or what am I doing wrong? That's like that is pretty much running a one-on-one. So the variation between good technique to bad is quite broad mm. because it's just you know, throw some eggs at a wall and off you go. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> just, which, is, which is an ideal was, with swimming it's technique so obviously it's so obviously important do you come up against people who will say oh there's not much technique to running like you just you just run like what what would you say to those people
0: well i think and i used swimming a lot to say like how important technique is I mean, and, and obviously it's, it's, a, it's a real understanding of it because if you I mean, the, the consequences of not being able to swim are pretty dire, you know, but then when it gets into like performance side of things, like the, the hydrodynamics that um, can hold you back become so much more influential than say what aerodynamics in running. The thing that's really important in running, though, is the amount of shock and load that is going through the body upon each footstep. So it's actually not about performance. It's actually about injury prevention. And injury prevention and performance are on the same spectrum. It's just that you see a lot more of the the former rather than the latter because people just go out and run. So yeah, you hear it a bit. And I think for a long period of time, because I think technique hasn't been done well, it has just been, oh, well, you just run how you run and and you just kind of manage it. Um, But I think the importance of understanding that retraining is possible done the right way is actually going to be really beneficial, and I think that's been the
1: missing link for such a long time for running. I mean, of all the uh, of all the people that come to clinics, I'd say a large large part of them are triathletes, and uh, I get a lot of people actually who were runners, distance runners, ultra marathon runners who can't run anymore, and so they've started swimming because they still need they still want to keep fit, and uh, but their their knees have given out, and and lots of other things, and so I think uh if people if, if people who love running if they could avoid that that point at that ending point where they just can no longer physically do it probably because of bad technique along the way there somewhere it's um yeah what a difference their their life uh, that would how different their life would be as a result of uh just getting some technique help particularly if that's something that they really really love and obviously yeah. they're they
0: love an endurance based activity and that's why they've gone from running and they can't do it anymore. So come to swimming or or some, some people cycling, which is a similar kind of um, pathway after running. If if it's not possible anymore, because I think that we can load different tissues within the body. And we talk about, you know, specific loading within training programs being, you know, that five to 10% increase and, you know, being really safe and, and, um, conscious of not building up too much too soon, which a lot of people still do wrong. So there's like one one poor part of it, even movement aside. But if you're not loading tissue that can adapt in that manner, then it doesn't matter how safe you are. So if you're moving in in a really poor manner and you're hitting and loading bones and joints with muscles and tendons as an assister, then it doesn't matter how safe you are. You're going to hit a breaking point. And then if you're loading those bones and and joints, they're going to break down. And at one point enough, they're not going to recover. Whereas if you actually flip it and if you are moving in a manner that you load muscles and tendons over joints and bones as as the the supporters, then all of a sudden you can build up resilience and conditioning because you're actually loading a tissue that can adapt and adopt to a movement pattern. But the movement patterns are really different. It's almost the difference between walking, which is a leverage, full leg, bone system, mechanic, to running, which should be a little bit more upper upper leg and using muscles and tendons to create stored energy and almost like a
1: springboard kind of um, return of energy. It's two different movements. And is there much difference between, between the different paces? Now, I'm not talking about a hundred meter sprint here, I'm talking about something from like a, an all-day steady pace with your running, like a, a jog, compared to where you're starting to get into, into that sort of you know, 5K, 10K sort of um, pace and effort. Is there much difference in the, the technique or how you would teach someone or does that pretty much carry across the board?
0: No, it should, it should carry across the, the whole board and even up into to sprinting for some in, into some regard because an efficient, powerful movement is an efficient, powerful movement, irrespective of if you're going at you know six minute pace or you're running it flat out. If you're getting it from the right area and you're doing it the right amount of times or more times or big range or whatever it may be, like somewhere in that that range, it's just a smaller or a bigger version of a powerful, efficient movement. Mm. Um, so if you look at someone like you know, someone who's probably like the, the flag bearer of technique at the moment, because I phenomenal at running but also because of how he moves is is Elliot Kipchoge like he's he's a phenomenal mover but he moves the same whether he is running at you know he probably wouldn't run much slower than five minute pace which is which is really disappointing really (laughs) disheartening but then he runs at 240 per kilometer pace it's the same movement pattern done bigger and or more often Mm. it doesn't change so you can just see him, it's the same pattern then he goes faster or slower so even when you're starting to go faster or so it doesn't much it doesn't look different it's just a bigger or smaller version
1: this podcast is also brought to you by therabody now i've been a big fan of therabody ever since i started using their products four years ago to help with my recovery after swims and their latest product is therabody's revolutionary new recovery air jet boots the recovery air jet boots are the world's most advanced pneumatic compression system ever created And for years, runners, bikers, and everyone who spends hours on their feet have had to suffer through leg pains and aches after a hard day. Clinically proven treatments like the compression boots pro athletes use have always been out of reach. And the Recovery Air is a groundbreaking pressure massage for everybody, anywhere. With Therabody's exclusive fast flush technology, Recovery Air flushes out metabolic waste more fully and brings back fresh blood to your legs at three times the speed of competitors. Faster cycles means faster recovery so you don't have to wait for legs to feel great. Therabody's Recovery Air Jet Boots are the first of its kind. They're truly wireless for anywhere, on-the-go recovery, boosting circulation and radically reducing muscle soreness. And thanks to Recovery Air's super intuitive, easy-to-use, one-touch controls, recovering faster is a breeze. The reason I like the Recovery Air is because after a big day of being on my feet from coaching or from running or doing other more leg-based exercises, even after swimming, I find that these work quickly. And Therabody, to me, is the leading brand in recovery products like this. And they make the products to last, they make them to work, and so they're not these cheap rip-offs that we see uh, some other competitors coming out with. So I'm a huge fan of the product and using the Recovery Air. They also have 250 professional sports teams exclusively use Therabody products, and they're trusted by world-class athletes like NBA All-Star Paul George, superstar footballer Trent Alexander-Arnold, and champion golfer Colin Morikawa. Sit back, relax, and recover. Go to therabody.com slash effortless to get your Therabody Recovery Air today, starting at just $699 or as low as $59 a month with Affirm. Plus, with Recovery Air's 60-day money-back guarantee and free shipping, there's no risk. therabody.com slash effortless. Yeah, gotcha. And with, uh, with with these things that you teach, you've got quite a few cues. You mentioned your your online membership. Like, There's a number of cues there what how long do you do you see it taking for people to notice a difference with with their running and then how do you how do you recommend that they implement this stuff because when we do our clinics we talk about doing a couple of drills in every session in your warm-up to set yourself up and then just go about your main set because it's it's about the frequency of doing things it's not about how long you do them for because it's changing that muscle memory and the technique. um, so we we harp on about frequency and, and just doing a little bit of it in the beginning what what's your approach
0: um the, the way i work is very much you know like one queue at a time and allowing someone you know a good four to six weeks of actually just focusing on that one thing easy pace session speed work whatever it is it's like this is this is your this is your cue to work on for the next could be three to six weeks now, depending on the cue, depending on the individual, depending on how often they run, you know, how quick they adapt, it just depends, you know, there's a, there's a varying range of how quick someone can adapt and implement it into their, their habitual movement pattern, and that becomes into um, each individual. So the the stuff that you talk about on the, on the online stuff, it's, you know, all the cues are set out, but it's also set out in a manner that um, gives the athlete the knowledge to understand when they'd implement it, how long they'd hold it for, and then what to go to next. So it's all kind of set out in that in that regard. And it is very much give yourself time. Mm. Think about one thing. Don't think about anything else. Be aware what it's doing for you and what it feels like when you're doing it. Be aware what it feels like when you're not doing it. And there'll come a time where it becomes a natural movement pattern. And then that's the time where you can actually move on to the next cue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Most, most people don't give give the things that they're practicing enough time for it to kick in and, and make a difference. And I had, uh, had someone on the podcast probably 12 months ago now. And uh, she, she said she came to a clinic. She um, was, was practicing things for, I think it was like 10 weeks. She was practicing those things for 10 weeks time stayed exactly the same. And then all of a sudden something clicked and it came together. And then right away she was down like 10 or 15 seconds per, per hundred um, when it all just started to come together and and it's that's when it becomes the the habit that you don't need to think about it it becomes subconscious and you can just go you can go out there you can focus on your pacing and your effort and you don't need necessarily need to think that much about the the stroke you because it's just that new new habit that you've formed so um yeah it takes it takes time some people are a lot quicker obviously you know four to six weeks some people it takes a little bit a little bit longer
0: yeah 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 for sure and i mean that just becomes up to the individual some similar to like you'd coach different individuals differently just because of their their language patterns their their experiences previously like you need to kind of you know um um i don't know work not because everyone's different which they they are it's more about allowing that individual the best possibility of understanding and therefore implementing it Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the the thing about running is that because it is such a, you know, like heavily, heavy impact or body impact um, sport, I mean, if you're doing something better and you have that new way, old way awareness, if it doesn't feel better immediately, it probably isn't. It might be hard to continually implement it because it's not your habit. And that becomes a really strong cue. Like that, that brain is aware. It's like, geez, that actually feels better. I got to concentrate on it, and I, and I do have to make sure that I'm continually doing it. But I can feel when I'm not doing it because it doesn't feel as light, as free, as you know, as fluid, or whatever it is, depending on that cue. So you get that real kinesthetic awareness of better, and go, shit, I want to. I'm chasing that all the time until it becomes habitual. But if you've got, like you mentioned, like if you've got two or three or five things, like it become really critical of like um, like running in particular programs or you know two hour long um sessions and seminars where people are running in a big group for starters and then being given like five or six different things to go home for and and practice now they might be the right thing so like i've not been critical of you know the information given it's like they go home and if you're focusing on one thing there's five things that aren't being focused on And then you okay, well, focus on the second thing. And then there's still five things that aren't getting focused on. And all of a sudden, three or four or five weeks down the track, you've been thinking about these four or five or six different things. None of them are habit. And straight away, someone will just go, "I stuff it. Like it hasn't changed anything. I forget it. I'm just thinking all these different things and none of them are becoming habit Mm. because it doesn't have time
1: and it doesn't have focus. (laughs) And so it
0: doesn't become habit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. It, it. What I say to people at the end of a clinic is we'll often give them three things, sometimes two to the the, the big rocks that are going to help them move forwards. Uh, but then I'll normally say, look, spend the next four weeks or so on this thing or maybe two things together. If they're sort of related, you can you can do the two. But um, yeah, that's it. Don't try and do them all at once. Don't even, you know, you've got three things. Don't try and do them all at once. Just Just pick one, maybe two. And then you can move on to the next thing. And there's an order of things you should, work through Uh, we've got our five core principles that follow that follow that order Uh, you've got your cues on the on the membership there you've got you've got the order there working sort of top down so um yeah and, and like it's it requires patience it requires people to know what to expect going forwards in in how they will how they will react to it and to um and to not be looking for those speed gains straight away necessarily because it just it takes time but with that long-term focused person they're the ones that uh six months 12 months down the track they're, they're going to be the ones that are, that are running better because they're being willing to just just commit to it and, and take the time to to practice
0: there's a there's a blessing and curse with running in regards to how many steps you take in a minute so how many how many strokes per minute like is is, is a gauge
1: or a rough you know between easy pace and you know when when they're going harder but where is that range sitting for swimming? Yeah, you'd Fair. say most people would average like 50 strokes a minute just yep. if they're swimming comfortably. And that might go to between 60 to 70 for, for your average person yeah. when they're going so fast.
0: You do have like a little bit of time per stroke to probably work on, you know, two or three different things because once you do catch and then, and then a pull and then you've got the other side, or let's just say for those, I might have no idea because I'm horrible at swimming. Um, But you've got maybe, you know, one second or maybe slightly more, slightly less per stroke. Mm -hmm. In running, you've got three steps, two to three steps in each second. So it's like it's happening really rapidly. It's almost impossible to think about, you know, one or two things, uh, sorry, two or more things, each step or each movement pattern, because there's going to be two and a half to three per second yeah you know, just happening so it's like it's almost impossible whereas i can completely understand it because you've got like a bit over a second people are pretty good to kind of go bang bang and then next and bang bang and then next whatever it means and then until that becomes habit whereas yeah running it's <laughs> just it's a blessing that you can get so many repetitions in one run but it's also a curse because you can't think of anything more than one thing
1: yeah yeah that's that's exactly right i didn't think about didn't think about it that way but that that is one of the good things about swimming is they can do too if it's head position and maybe your alignment you can focus on those two because yeah you've got that little bit more more time but uh yeah running happens very very quickly um and so for someone listening to this they and as I said we've got a lot of triathletes who listen to this and and people who run for general fitness where can they find out more about some of these cues that you're you're talking about and um and, and where to find you
0: so there's a there's a fair bit of information about the 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 membership program on um tbrunner.com um so the balanced runner that is tbrunner.com um information about the program what it looks like um how to be setting up so there's that sort of stuff and then in regards to what i do how i do it there's a fair bit of information on instagram about um some of the new and old, um, some of the success stories. So they're probably the two best ways to kind of look at it. So Instagram is at the balanced runner or um, one word. They're probably the two best ways, but yeah. Membership specific on the, on the, on the website, what I do on Instagram, that's probably the two best ways.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. And those that are listening to this, uh, if you do want to become a member to, to Paul's membership, there at improve your running um, use the code effortless. On checkout um, and we've set up a, a, a discount there for the uh, for the first month so um, Paul appreciate you coming on and um, when I uh, when I sort of first saw what you you were doing with your coaching I thought oh, this is like the this is the effortless swing for for running I, I really like uh, like your your approach there and um, I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of those some of those things and um, we got to catch up on the weekend it's just um, yeah I mean it's I think we're in a pretty similar similar place in terms of our our coaching and who we like to work with how we like to to do it and um i mean i'm learning all the time and i, I like learning from people in different sports and even just some of the, the cues that you use and how you approach it like working top down it, it's it's good to see how you how you do it because there's just so much you can learn from um, from different sports so i'm uh yeah I, i'm going through your membership at the moment and um even just i was watching one then you're talking about like the how you hold your hands so it's like hands sort of up near your like your, your pecs almost and got the elbows bent. You're talking about this triangle. If you're looking front on from the elbows to the hands, we talk about a power diamond in a similar position when you're under the water. Yes, so, oh my God. There's so many, so many correlations here um, that it's, yeah, it's quite, it's quite funny seeing, uh, seeing that. So yeah, I'm enjoy, enjoying watching that. Well, and I appreciate you being on the podcast.
0: Uh, no, that, like on the the similarities, like you, you're talking about, we're, we're all similarly shaped bodies, So there's going to be like similar angles. Like we're all coming from a, the same you know bit of plasticine and then it's like the movement's different and what angles we're we going to use from there so that's it's, it's why it becomes probably cool in regards to like where we're using a similar plasticine model to start with but then we're pretty... <laughs> um, look really appreciate um you having me on on the um on the podcast and, and but also i think for some of the, the listeners like brent's been really influential in helping me get to the point where i'm at with the with the um, the membership program like you're really influential in saying well you know, you've got people who want to actually get better at running but don't want to do one-on-one and, you know, you're not really providing them opportunities. So you've probably given these guys more opportunity as a result just <laughs> in the running sense, you know, which has been really cool and, 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 like, I'm very appreciative of that that side of things too. So kick my ass into gear a little bit and but also provide a different perspective to it, which has been really um, appreciated.
1: Well, I, I Like, I remember chatting those couple of years ago where you, you had, a I guess, a little bit of a hang-up on, like, I, I want to make sure people are doing these things correctly. So I'm only doing one-on-ones and, um, and I had a similar thing when I first started. It's like, I want to make sure that people are doing this 100%. So um, I'm just, I'm not going to put, put stuff out there, but um, the thing is like, there's people that want to improve their running. And if you don't, if you don't teach them the stuff that you would teach in person, then you're going to be limiting it to probably 1% of those people who could learn that stuff and improve. And the amount of people who have just watched my YouTube videos and they've, emailed me and said like, oh, I've gone from this time to this time and, and, I've, and I love swimming. It's like, well, that wouldn't have happened if I, if I was just too caught up in just like only doing one-on-ones. And so I'm glad you took that step and, and put it together in a, in a program online where people can, wherever they are in the world, they can go through it on their own time and they can learn those, those things that you do do teach in person. Um, but I think as a coach, you know, we are perfectionists and we want to make sure that everyone gets a good result. It's, it yeah. is hard to sometimes just let that go. But yeah uh,
0: yeah well it's it's and it's kind of yeah it was a bit of letting go and not you know i mean the quality is my number one value for what, what we're kind of doing so but you can still yeah. create quality in that format and understanding that you know it's it's not the same format so whilst it's still yeah it's not it's it's still creating that quality that i pride myself on just in a different way And and i think that became really important for my mindset as well i wasn't trying to you know, scale a business. It wasn't trying to create anything more in, in regards to a, um, a financial side of things. It was literally creating another option of quality. And then that, that really flipped my thinking as well. I was like, no, okay, so now, and then it's. Sp- I spent nine, 10 months just of creating the quality. So it took ages to kind of put it down. I wasn't just like, you know, record, go back. It was literally, okay, make sure that I'm explaining it in a manner that will give the best opportunity to get the outcome
1: from this format. Yeah, it's 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 good. I'm kind of going through that at the moment with our beginner freestyle course. I was hoping to have it done by uh, like January or February. And I'm just not, yeah, there's still a bit more work I need to need to do. Um yeah. and but that's yeah, that's that's right. You know, you, you want to keep the quality up there because that's what your reputation is is built on yeah. is is the quality. And um and it's 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 really important. So um yeah and and you've certainly done that with the with the membership. So uh, yeah, thanks again for being on, and I'll get you back on uh, down the down the track as well once I'm uh, once I get a chance to implement some cues into my own running and uh, <laughs> yeah. be, be sub three minute pace for for ten k. <laughs> yeah, well look, now, if you can do that, I do <laughs> I'll hang my hat on that.
0: Put me on the front no, page
1: man. of your website. It, oh, maybe I need testimony. to start.
0: The, I'll I'll do similar and start to get in the pool a little bit. Although coming in coming into winter is the That's the wrong time to be getting in the pool. I yeah, should, it is. <laughs> Yeah your five day
1: catch thing <laughs> thanks mate i appreciate you being on no
0: thanks mate. thanks thanks for
1: listening to the effortless swimming podcast if you'd like us to help you become a faster more efficient swimmer go to www.effortlessswimming.com.